Star Wars 7x7, episode 1375. Today, the secret history of Snoke and the First Order. Not entirely revealed, but we have some new light shed on it thanks to the Last Jedi novelization. Punch it, Chewie. Hey there, this is Tim McMahon, Alan's co-host from the Expanded Comicverse podcast. But hey, you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, a daily Star Wars podcast, seven minutes a day, seven days a week. How awesome is that? Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Boybud, and this is Star Wars 7x7. So for those of you who occasionally wonder how it is that I do this every single day and have for nearly four years now, well... You know, occasionally I get to batch episodes, but more often than not, I'm doing the episodes day by day by day. And yes, occasionally that does present some challenges like today when I'm running a 99 degree fever and every part of my body aches and head is totally blocked up and all that good stuff. But, you know, this is what the show must go on looks like. And so here we are talking about Snoke and the First Order in the Last Jedi novelization by Jason Fry. Now, thanks to the magic of novel narration, we actually get to spend some time in Snoke's head just before he undergoes his (laughs) unfortunate cutting in half. Unfortunate for him, of course. Um, But we get to spend some time in his head and he's ruminating about his own history and his history with the First Order and a little bit of the First Order's history too as part of that time just as he's waiting for Rey to be delivered to him by Kylo Ren. And to start things off, He's thinking about the idea of interpreting the future through the Force, and he notes to himself that that's a very dangerous game to play and that there have been many who came before him who failed to learn that lesson and who died as a result. Snoke, of course, says that he learned that lesson very early on in his life when the galaxy was different. Ooh, whatever that means. We still don't have an established age for Snoke, but we're given to believe that he is rather old, very old, but beyond that, who knows? Anyway... He was obviously part of the unknown regions lived in and around there. And as far as his history before running into the First Order, all we know is that there are legions of dead at Snoke's hand. That much, at least, we get for sure. As far as Snoke's power in the Force goes, well, he says that the galaxy's knowledge of the Force largely came from the unknown regions and came from long-abandoned systems, and it's been Snoke's journey to explore those systems to discover the vast knowledge of the Force in those unknown regions and also the larger truths that are hidden within all of that vast knowledge. And not only did he use that knowledge to his own benefit, but also to the benefit of the former Empire, now First Order, because they had seeded the unknown regions with shipyards and storehouses and all of this good stuff. But according to his ruminations in the novelization, they were not prepared for the terrors of the unknown regions. And it was Snoke's knowledge and not their military might that allowed them to survive and thrive. And of course, he's not the only one who has promised or talked about helping the Empire or the First Order be able to deal with some of the terrors of the Unknown Regions. Thrawn, of course, was probably the first person to talk to Emperor Palpatine about the idea of there being really terrible things out in the Unknown Regions and that he could possibly help them understand what was going on out there. So now we have Snoke and still no idea what happened to Thrawn after the end of Rebels, so don't know if he's a player in this anymore, but Snoke is the guy and he's the guy who we're talking about here. So 
He also talks about how the First Order's evolution was more improvisation than master plan, and he talks about the people who had led the First Order prior to the point at which we meet them in the sequel movies. So it starts off with Gallius Rax, who we met in the Aftermath trilogy of novels, and then it moves on to Grand Admiral Ray Sloan, who we also met in the Aftermath novels, as well as originally meeting her in A New Dawn, the prequel to Star Wars Rebels by John Jackson Miller. Now, hearing some names, you obviously want to start thinking about timelines, so let's throw the other names in here that get mentioned. There's an Ormes Opalin, who is mentioned after Ray Sloan, and Ormes is described as a slippery political fanatic. And then Brendel Hux's name is dropped, and Hux is a name we're familiar with. Of course, he is the father of the illegitimate son Armitage Hux. That would be the General Hux that we know from the sequel movies. Brendel, for his part, is a former commandant of the Imperial Academy on Arcanus, and was the guy who developed the training for the First Order Stormtroopers. And if you want to try and put a timeline on this, well, okay, it's kind of difficult because there's still a lot that we don't know. One thing I'll tell you right off the bat is, spoiler alert for Aftermath Empire's End, if you have not read that novel, then you might want to plug your ears for the next 15 seconds, but as far as the order of events goes, Gallius Rax was the leader of the Empire after the death of Palpatine, and he died at the end of Aftermath Empire's End, so one year post-Empire, that's when that happened, and Sloan took over. We have no idea how long Sloan was in command, and we have no idea how long Ormi's Opalin was in command. As far as Brendel Hux goes, we have ugh, something, maybe, maybe, because what we know about Brendel Hux is that he was part of the crew that rescued and found Captain Phasma on Parnassos, and that was described as happening as, quote-unquote, 12 years ago from the events happening in real time in the novel Phasma. But we don't know when the real-time events of Phasma actually took place. We do know that it took place within six years before the events of The Force Awakens because there was still a resistance that was still being led by General Organa. So that much we can play with. And Brendel Hux had been dead for a number of years by the time the real-time events of the Captain Phasma novel were happening. So basically, Armitage Hux was in charge of the First Order's military might for a decade at least, and probably more. So you would have to figure that Brendel Hux, all right, let's just throw a random number on it, was dead within 15 years of the end of the Battle of Endor, and also 15 years prior to the events of The Force Awakens. And so that doesn't give much time for Sloan and for Omi's Opalin to be active. It gives them actually about 14 years between the two of them. Actually, maybe I want to do my math a little bit differently there. I think it's closer to 15 years for the three of them, for Sloan, for Ormi's Opalin, and for Brendel Hux, prior to Armitage conspiring. Here's a another spoiler. This one is for Phasma. If you have not read the Phasma novel, then play yours for another 15 seconds. <laughs> but um, with Phasma and Armitage Hux conspiring to kill Brendel Hux to assassinate him, yeah, I think we're talking about 15 years for the combined rule, roughly, of Sloan and Ormas Opalin and Brendel Hux. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. And then one bit more about Luke Skywalker and about Snoke's involvement with him. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. 
Want a free copy of The Last Jedi in 4K UHD HDR with Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision? It's the highest quality you can possibly watch The Last Jedi at, courtesy of Voodoo. And starting Friday, March 16th, I'm giving away those 10 to the first 10 people who become patrons of the podcast at the $5.01 level or higher. And if you join at the 1138 level or higher, I'll throw in a free copy of The Force Awakens Trivia Book 2. Go to patreon.com slash sw7x7 to support the show and get your free copy of The Last Jedi. Again, that's patreon.com slash sw7x7. Welcome back. All right, so there's a bit about Luke Skywalker and also about Anakin Skywalker in parts of Snoke's ruminations in the throne room there. One of the things that he says is that Anakin and Luke were favored instruments of the cosmic forces will. And that's really awesome to hear, especially in light of the conversation that we had together about the living force versus the cosmic force. We did that on an episode a few episodes ago. And also that came up in conversation with Jason Fry in the interview that I did with him that was yesterday's episode of the podcast, where the cosmic force has a will and an awareness and that, you know, it's acting through the Skywalker family. So that, I guess, gives you a little bit of a hint at what goes on in the mystical side of the force and also maybe even gives us a little bit of a basis for why the Skywalker saga is the Skywalker saga. It's actually driven by the cosmic force. And therefore you could almost say that these nine movies are really not just the Skywalker saga, but the, the saga of the cosmic force, which is kind of a fun thing to think about, I think. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Snoke's ruminations. Um, it says here that Snook, Snook, did I really do that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in there just for fun. Snoke's <laughs> thoughts about Luke. He realized that Luke endangered Snoke's design, Luke deciding that he wanted to train Jedi students. And Snoke used his knowledge to confuse Luke's path. And I assume that also means Luke's path through the galaxy, looking for knowledge and information about the history of the Force. It's not made perfectly clear in the novel by Jason Fry exactly what path we're talking about, but we know that he was crisscrossing the galaxy looking for ancient lore and knowledge about the Jedi, and the fact that Luke was not going to restart the Jedi Academy, and Snoke learned that through his mind probe of Rey, he said that that was a very wise thing for Luke to do. Now, of course, it's wise as far as Snoke is concerned, because Snoke doesn't want him to, but... It also sheds some light into the possibility that what Snoke was trying to do in confusing Luke's path was making it difficult for him to start a Jedi Academy. Ultimately, that was the big goal, to make sure that the Jedi did not rise again. And that is going to do it for the podcast today. Thank you so much for bearing with me being under the weather. And thank you for listening as well. May the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you ride your tauntaun past the first marker, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a forced ghost vision, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.